Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Funds. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Weekly Commentary. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is June 25th, 2018. With most of the plans glued to the World Cup, I've been trying in the last few days to revive an interest in the beautiful game, which has lain fallow since my childhood. Like baseball, the more you watch it, the more you realize is going on. And I sometimes pity the job of the coach who has to drink it all in in the first half, analyze it, and then find some way of explaining it to the team in a distracted 15 minutes of halftime. Investors preparing for the second half of 2018 will have a similarly complicated financial environment to consider, also with plenty of distractions. We'll be releasing our third quarter guide to the markets next week, and I'll be hosting conference calls for investment professionals to discuss these issues in detail. However, in the meantime, I thought I'd run through a 10-point checklist describing the investment environment at halftime in 2018. In particular, I'd like to share some thoughts on growth, jobs, profits, inflation, the global economy, the Fed, fixed income, U.S. equities, international equities, and balanced investing. Starting with growth, the first half of the year has seen the U.S. economy on a sugar high, with first quarter real GDP seeing its strongest year-over-year gain in three years. More significantly, recent data on consumer and business spending suggests that growth could top 4% annualized in the second quarter, boosting the year-over-year growth rate to above 3%. Growth could remain at roughly 3% year-over-year for the next 12 months, as the full stimulus from the tax cuts feed through. However, by the second half of 2019, growth should retreat to 2% or below, as fiscal stimulus fades and the economy has to adjust to higher long-term interest rates. On jobs, the May employment report revealed a 3.8% unemployment rate, the lowest seen since December of 1969. Numbers due out this week, including the employment component of the Conference Board's uh, Consumer Confidence Index on Tuesday and unemployment claims on Thursday, should tee up another strong employment report for June. But this is when it gets interesting, however. Normal economic relationships suggest that 3% real economic growth over the next year would cut the unemployment rate to below 3% by the end of 2019. However, we doubt that the unemployment rate can actually fall that low. And so despite above-trend productivity and labor force growth, we expect that a labor shortage will actually contribute to a slowdown in overall economic growth to 2% or below by the end of 2019. On profits, the second quarter earnings season is about to get underway. So far, significantly fewer companies than normal are warning about earnings disappointments, which suggests very healthy reports in the weeks ahead. It should be noted that this year's earnings surge reflects an unusual collection of positive trends, including big corporate tax cuts, a surge in economic growth, a year-over-year increase in oil prices and decline in the dollar, and still subdued wages and interest rates. All this will be less helpful in 2019 and beyond. However, with S&P 500 operating earnings per share tracking a 27% year-over-year gain for this year, investors should recognize the full implication of this year's level of earnings and devote as much attention to how companies are distributing current earnings as they do to worrying about where they could find future growth. On inflation, data due out this week will likely show a continued mild acceleration, with the Fed's target measure, the personal consumption deflator, likely logging a 2.2% year-over-year growth rate for May. This could rise to 2.4% for June, reflecting a significant year-over-year increase in energy prices. However, last week's OPEC plus Russia agreement to raise output should limit further energy price increases, suggesting that the direction of inflation from June on 
is likely to be sideways rather than up. On global growth, last week's PMI data suggests that following some deceleration in the first quarter, global economic momentum is now being maintained. While Europe continues to battle ongoing political disputes, there seems little risk of a return to the European turmoil from earlier in the decade. Japan is showing slow but steady growth in the face of demographic challenges, and while some individual emerging market economies are in trouble, very good growth in India and more stimulative monetary policy in China suggest broad, although not booming, global growth into 2019. At the Federal Reserve's June meeting, the FOMC, as expected, increased the federal funds rate to a range of 1.75-2%. It's worth noting that by now, economic growth and inflation are running above the Fed's long-term goals of 1.8% and 2% respectively, while unemployment is running well below the Fed's 4.5% target. In recognition of this, and perhaps also to counter inappropriately expansionary fiscal policy, the Fed now expects to raise the federal funds rate twice more this year and three times in 2019. On fixed income, the first half of 2018 has seen a slow drift up in long-term interest rates as the 10-year Treasury yield hovers just below the 3% level. We expect this yield to rise further in the months ahead, perhaps moving to a range of 35 to 4% by next spring. However, if inflation stabilizes and economic growth slows later in 2019, long-term rates may not rise much further, allowing investors to move to a more neutral stance on fixed income in general. As growth slows in the second half of next year, investors may also want to dial down credit risk within fixed income portfolios. On U.S. equities, stocks have struggled to make significant gains so far this year, despite very strong earnings numbers. This may partly reflect investor caution following a more than 20% total return in the S&P 500 last year and worries about when this long economic expansion might end. However, investors may not have fully priced in the excess cash that companies can distribute due both to the lower corporate tax rate and repatriated cash from overseas. This flow of cash, particularly if directed to stock buybacks, could boost stocks in the months ahead. Some indication of this in the financial sector could be seen in financial company announcements following the release of the second round of the Fed's stress tests later on this week. On international equities, fiscal stimulus in the United States, combined with bad weather and trade worries overseas, has allowed the U.S. economy to accelerate relative to its international counterparts in the first half of 2018. This, combined with the stabilization of the dollar, has seen U.S. equities generally outperform their international counterparts in dollar terms. However, in the long run, the rest of the world should reassert its growth advantage over the U.S. A big trade deficit could push the dollar down, and cheaper valuations overseas could benefit international stocks. Because of this, investors may want to consider whether they have enough exposure to international equities. Finally, on balanced investing, investors had plenty to worry about in the first half of 2018, ranging from political division and rising trade tensions to an uneasy sense that now, in the 10th year of both economic expansion and bull market in equities, something has to give. However, three features of the current environment still favor long-term investing. First, the global economy is seeing very steady growth, and both the U.S. and global economic expansions should have room to run. Second, the U.S. corporate tax cuts have been very beneficial to corporate earnings, making current valuations seem reasonable in a low-inflation environment. Finally, despite recent Fed moves, central banks remain very dovish and are unlikely to raise cash yields much above the rate of inflation or to keep them there long. In this environment, it still makes sense to to deploy long-term money into long-term investments in a diversified way. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only 
and as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.